The world is crazy, it's pretty clear. You need to know why, how it affects the lives of those we hold so dear. I can't explain everything, but together, maybe we can find our way. Aren't you tired of the violence, the hatred, the racism? We need a brand new day. And what about climate change, housing that's substandard but still unaffordable, and our public education system that favors some and leaves so many others behind? But who's going to pay? And then there are the jobs with wages so low they make you feel worthless as you struggle to pay the rent and all the other bills piled high. Yes, we need a brand new day. Is there enough hope among us to overcome despair? Enough wisdom to overcome ignorance? Enough generosity to overcome deprivation? Enough goodness to overcome all those who claim to be patriots but hate their government? We need a brand new day. That's right, a brand new day. This is Lehigh Valley Discourse, only on WDIY, and I'm your host, Alan Jennings. That would be me. The good folks at WDIY have been reorganizing the public affairs elements in an effort to broaden the voices you hear. The old-timers like me are splitting our time. So I'll be on from 6 to 6.30 p.m. on the second Thursday, making room for Hassan Batz, a very interesting activist and top guy at Promise Neighborhood, and has been on my show before. Those of you who are listeners for some time, you would have heard Hassan on his fascinating uh, interview with me a couple of years ago. I'll still be doing an interview format, but it'll be different. I hope good different, not bad different. I'll have about 25 minutes for the interviews, and then I'll end the show with my, quote, final thoughts, end quote. Those thoughts will be current, relevant, and from something of an inside perspective, and they will usually be rants. I'll mostly rant about how screwed up the world is, and man, it took a major turn for the worse late last week. So stick around for the end. We'll get into it. In the meantime, it's my pleasure to welcome Dawn Godshall to the uh, studio. Dawn, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Dawn is the uh, unfortunate soul who took over as uh, the CEO of the Community Action Committee of the Lehigh Valley, what they now call Community Action Lehigh Valley. She is very talented on a number of different fronts. She started her career in television production. She worked for ABC. She did fundraising for the Allentown Rescue Mission. We hired her. We hired her as the director of the Sixth Street Shelter. Eventually, I promoted her to essentially the number two position in the agency. And the board did a national search with a professional firm, and they settled on the person who was there all along, and that's Don Godshell. So, Don, how's it going? It's very busy. I had absolutely no idea how much you did on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think anybody did. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. It, it, it's wonderful. Um, people have been very embracing. They have um, been very welcoming, and I, I really appreciate that. Our donors have, you know, called me. If I hadn't gotten to them first, they've called me and wanted to meet. And, again, just very gracious and kind, and, and it's been wonderful. Just you knew so many people, it's hard to keep up with all of them. Well, I did it for an awful long time. Um, so what's, what's different? What's different? I think we are concentrating or, or at least going to try to concentrate and embark on more housing. There is so little affordable housing anymore in the Lehigh Valley, and it's really important that we don't start gentrifying people and pushing them into um, specific neighborhoods, and we provide uh, places where they can live and, and thrive and, and stay in their neighborhoods, hopefully. So that's one of the things that we would like to do. 
Um, we have taken on the uh, emergency rental assistance program for Lehigh County. Um, that has been a major endeavor. We've distributed about $21 million so wow. far. And uh, there's a lot of staff time, a lot of money. Oh, absolutely. And you did it without um, preparation, right? I mean, you had to take over because uh, it was failing elsewhere, and, and that uh, was your rescue effort. Yeah, I thought we had to to do it. We needed people. People need this money. Right. Um, it's been uh, it's been a challenge, but we have been um, supported in a great deal by Lehigh County. They've given us sort of uh, the ability to purchase the software that we need and the things to put things in place so that it runs smoothly. So, what have they done to my office? <laughs> well, I have. It was a great office, you know. <laughs> You had no art. You it was dark and edgy. <laughs> so I have uh, African American art, and I have flowers. I know how much you love flowers. flowers. I like flowers, but not when <laughs> you know. I don't like to use them in places where the life is so miserable. You know, although and, they do brighten life, don't they? Yeah, and I have pictures of my family, so I, I think that kind of makes it more homey. You know, every time a, a CEO leaves a position like I left that one, the successor turns over rocks to see what's under them, and inevitably something ugly crawls out from under. Uh, did, did I leave a mess? What, you know, what kind of a mess did I leave you? Did, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you really left a mess. You left a lot of really good programs that um, had you not been around. I feel like it's a wonderful life. There would it would be a a domino effect on the Lehigh Valley if you didn't uh, exist. And thanks. so it's been a pleasure continuing the programs that you started so many years ago. It occurs to me that maybe not all of our listeners know about those programs. you want to do a quick rundown of those initiatives? Sure, I'll do my best. So we have the Sixth Street Shelter, which is the largest family shelter in the region. It has 25 apartments um, that are individual apartments, so uh, the, the uh, participants don't have to share facilities with other participants. Um, we have the Second Harvest Food Bank, which last year distributed over 10 million pounds of food to people in six counties in the region. Um, we have um, a rising tide loan program, which really is now a part of our business unit, which helps people to uh, get businesses started or expand their businesses. And if they are not bank ready, then we have a loan program that can help them. Um, if they are ready, it helps them to get the funding that they need to, to move on. We have um, to move on with their idea or of their business. Um, we have a housing program, which again, um, it encompasses our financial services program, which helps people to buy their first home or helps them to um, in mitigation if they're in foreclosure and about to lose their home. We will even go to court with them to to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, that. Uh, the housing unit also encompasses our weatherization program where we go and weatherize homes and um, make them more energy efficient and we're building new homes and fixing facades and doing a lot of really great things. We have a Color Outside the Lines initiative which is um, 
part of our racial and ethnic justice program. The, the racial and ethnic justice program includes Generation Next, which um, helps high school students to um, learn about college, helps them get into college, helps them to negotiate all of the, the financial and the, um, the tests that they need to go through to, to try to get there. Um, and it has a SHE program, which uh, is a uh, program that goes into fifth grade uh, initially and helps little girls to learn self-efficacy and self-esteem and uh, how to not make bad mistakes, uh, yeah. as you said, you know, so that they don't get involved with boys and, and mess up their lives. <laughs> that's but right. that's not what I say. I've long blamed <laughs> men for poverty, really. I mean, that's, that's my feeling. You, you've talked about your childhood with poignancy. Uh, your parents both died before you were 10, I think, and you ended up in foster care for some time. As a black woman raised partially in a, in a white environment, what do you think the average WDIY listener can learn from your experience? Well, I think as I didn't fully explain Color Outside the Lines, but is it is an, an initiative on race that helps people to come together to talk about it. A lot of people are afraid to talk about it. And I think my experience has um, helped me to see both sides of race, that, that we have to meet people where they are. We can't assume that people are racist. We can't assume that people are intentionally acting in certain ways to destroy the world. Um, we have to find out what they know and where they came from and what they experienced, um, just like I have experienced, um, you know, being treated um improperly by both sides, um, being half black and half white. I have um, not been necessarily accepted growing up by um, my own, you know, perceived half of my blackness or the, the white side of me. Um, I think people need to understand why we treat people the way they do. Was it because of their environment? Was it because of their upbringing and parents? So I think my my experience has taught me to try to understand um, where people came from and what they need to hear in order to come to the table to have those conversations. You know, I've long said that um, the, the attitude of most white people is, I don't own any slaves, why are you blaming me? Mm -hmm. And they don't understand the systemic issues out there, the, you know, how our public schools are funded and how it locks um, inequity into our society and so on. And uh, I was pretty vocal and pretty strident in my advocacy for many years. Um, I think a lot of people are tired of hearing the militancy of the black leadership. Um, however, personally, I think I, people, you got to understand what, why people are so angry. But you have backed off a little bit on my style, and you've, you've you know, very publicly said, you know, my style is different than Alan's. And I was just curious um, how it's different, how you intend for it to be different. Well, I want to have real conversations. Um, I think your style was to almost point fingers, tell people, this is where you're wrong, and well, you better almost. get it together. <laughs> 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 okay, you did. I'm trying to be, um, <laughs> to be kind. Diplomatic. <laughs> yeah. And my style is more, um, I don't necessarily agree with the way you're doing it, 
not you and people in general, um, let's talk about why um, we have our differences and why you feel the way you do. So um, mine is more of a psychology based, let's sit down and have a conversation. And so far, it's been working. I haven't had too much pushback about people wanting to talk. You are listening to The Jennings Report, part of Lehigh Valley Discourse on WDIY. Tonight, my guest is Don Godshaw, the executive director of the Community Action of Lehigh Valley, my successor after working there for 40 years. So what have you got planned for your next year? Well, in addition to distributing the rest of almost $30 million of of, uh, ERAP funding for rental assistance, um, we really want to work with the the counties, the cities, to do a lot more housing. As I said, the affordable housing that needs to happen so that people um, can have places to live. And some of our programs are struggling a little bit. But we certainly can always use the support of people who believe in certain causes. So if if people want to help um, food insecurity, I would certainly recommend that they get involved with our Second Harvest Food Bank. Um, if they if their cause is homelessness, definitely, you know, call us and help, you know, get involved in the Sixth Street Shelter. We have so many different initiatives. If you're if they're trying to, you know, see how we can build, help build the economy, then our Rising Tide program is certainly something we could use brain and, and financial power in. Well, we could also use more attention. I mean, that that part of the organization, which is a separate subsidiary, as you well know, put out a lot of public funds last year to save a lot of businesses, and nobody knows it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we need to be much more aggressive in making sure people know that this agency is as much of a part of the economic development of the Lehigh Valley as any of the traditional economic development organizations, LVEDC, Allentown Economic Development Corporation, you name it, I think we've got, you know, we could stand shoulder to shoulder with those organizations. I'm sorry I keep using the single, uh, I mean, the um, first person and saying we. I apologize for that. I'm still trying to break no that habit. But you know, not enough people know about the things that yeah. you know, you're doing. Yeah, I, I think more so with um, our business unit, we're we're struggling to find people who want to open businesses now. I think people have gotten afraid after COVID. They saw so many businesses shut down um, that they're not quite sure if they can do it. And we have an entire unit that can help them from the their idea to creating a business plan to getting them to know more about the fiduciary responsibilities of owning a business, marketing, and we can help them through that. We want to grow the businesses in the Lehigh Valley. So we're really looking for people who want to get started and we can certainly help them do that. So how has this disastrous pandemic affected community action? Yeah, it's affected us in a lot of different ways. Um, There are fewer people who want to come out of their homes still. Um, They're, they're, People are Zooming themselves to death. We, I've, I'm on Zoom meetings from the time I get to work to the time that I leave. At least it saves you commuting costs. You don't have to, you know, yeah. take the drive. It, it does do that, but it also makes people work harder because you don't have to take the drive, so you just take more meetings. Yeah. So I think I interrupted you when you were talking about um, what your plans are for, the, for this year ahead. 
We're still trying to make sure that the programs, our existing programs, are stabilized. Shore them up, yeah. Yeah. To, to, and once they're shored up more and we're not experiencing, um, you know, turnover in staff, we can um, continue to make the, the ones that need to grow stronger. We want to see more people buy homes. Our first-time homebuyers program is still in existence. We want people to take our classes and to, you know, not be afraid to, to brand out into that's the only way to build wealth and um, buying a home is the best way for low to moderate income people to build wealth. I always have called a mortgage the gateway drug to to creating wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know if you have a house it's the best way for a regular person to get some equity and and then you can you know borrow against that equity you can send your kids to college you can start a business you can buy a bigger house Absolutely. and uh, you know historically, our people have been locked out of those opportunities, and what community action has done is kick those doors open and and uh, and and change the. Literally, we changed the complexion. You changed the complexion of home ownership in Lehigh Valley over the over the last twenty years or so. You, know, you changed that in two thousand and eight when you lobbied to um, change the, the the what was going on in the the mortgage um, industry. Things were were failing, and you were a, a huge um, advocate to fight for. Um, what was happening, and and that has um, helped us to be where we are today. I, I when I saw the the Big Short, which was a movie about that whole era, I was mad that, that I wasn't a character in the in the movie. <laughs> you know, I and others there were just a couple dozen of us that were really fighting that battle nationwide, and and we made a big difference, I think, in that fight. But we didn't make the difference we needed to as fast as we needed to. I mean, you could literally say if they had listened to us, there wouldn't have been a 2007 crash of the market and the crash of the, uh, the economy, uh, literally worldwide. Uh, on the rent assistance thing, is there, um, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, you know, because obviously we can't do enough outreach. Right. Well, we would appreciate if they would go to the website first. Um, that is how they will apply. Um, and the website is communityactionlv.org. And or if they are not uh, connected to a computer, they can call us at 610-691-5620. I know you began over about over the past year rebranding the agency. Well, <laughs> uh, name changes and, and uh, parts of the agency, the agency itself, you've you dropped committee of the I always hated that, you know, and, and you finally took that change and. Yeah. So you now have Community Action Lehigh Valley, not, not Community Action Committee Lehigh Valley. What kind of other changes have you made uh, since I left? Are there big changes, small changes? Uh, what kinds of things have you got going on that are different than when I was there? Well, we, we did the rebranding because so many people don't know that um, we have about 13 programs. You know, they most people think that the Sixth Street Shelter and Second Harvest Food Bank are standalones, and they're yeah. not. They're under our umbrella. Right. Um, so we did rebranding just so people would understand all of the, the great things that we did. Um, we changed the, the look and the name. The committee of did sound like we were getting ready to have a meeting all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know that we've we've made a lot of changes, except that I did 
want people to um, understand that I wanted them to have a work-life balance. Um, I, I see a younger group of staff coming on board and they're having families and they want to know that when they leave work, they can actually be present with their families. So that was important. Um, also, um, raising salaries a little bit to... to uh, you know, get them up to market standards. We we needed to to boost um, that in in our in our agency and just trying to make people be at peace with having a, a place to work, but that they also have lives outside of work. I, I mean, are you able to do any legislative advocacy stuff, for example? Yeah, I, I think that there could be more advocacy that's happening. Um, I think when you were at the agency, we actually had a staff person who was um, sort of took the ball and ran with that, and you were that person. Um, you've had connections um, politically for many years, and that was helpful. So it has been um, a challenge uh, for me to meet all of the people that you know. There's a lot that I have, and they've been very supportive. I've, you know, um, had meetings with um, Mike Schloss and Pete Schweier and Senator Brown, Pat Brown, um, they've all really extended the olive branch to make sure that if we need anything that they would, they would be there for us. But there's so much more. Those relationships that you formed over 40 years that I've been there nine months. I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> well, you know, I wondered whether the people who were the supporters would, would stick with us. And I was also wondering, though, if you would get people who couldn't stand me because my politics was too were too aggressive to come to you now when they didn't before because they were offended by my my uh, outspokenness. No, I mean for the most part people appreciate my willingness to have conversations and I I am a little more kind <laughs> but yeah. but no one has I don't hear a lot of disparaging you in the community. <laughs> People respect what you've done. They respect um, all the things that you have done for the region, and I don't think that will ever change. People respect the things that you've done. They respect that we do it differently and that I am a different person. Um, but for the most part, I, I don't have people just running to knock down my door because you're gone, so you uh, must have done something right. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, my guest this evening has been Dawn Godshaw, the new executive director of, the Com of Community Action Lehigh Valley. Dawn, thanks for being part of the show. Oh, thank you for having me. You are listening to the Jennings Report, part of Lehigh Valley Discourse on WDIY. I also want to thank James Johnson, a good dude over there that runs the machinery and is the news director for WDIY. James, you're always so helpful. Thank you very much. Um, we're going to take a quick break and stick around. I've got the Jennings final thoughts coming up on the other side. Celtic Fair, a celebration of Celtic music and culture from its roots in Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Brittany, and Galicia, to its branches in Australia, Cape Breton, Canada, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, and the Lehigh Valley. Music, interviews, and a weekly culture calendar every Thursday from 7 to 9 here on WDIY.
The following thoughts and opinions do not necessarily reflect the thoughts and opinions of WDIY, its affiliates, and or its staff, members, and volunteers. Welcome back. I'm Alan Jennings. This is the Jennings Report on WDIY. And these are my final thoughts. Some of my most reasonable friends in the Republican side say they think both sides of the political spectrum are guilty of hyperbole and the divisiveness that is tearing this country apart. Ready, folks? I agree. The left is guilty of a sort of do-gooder snobbery, self-righteousness. When we buy hybrids or electric cars, we want you to know we are paying a higher price to improve your world as well as ours. When we wear masks, we look at maskless you with scorn. Fair enough. So yes, we both might be to blame, but the blame is not equally shared, and to suggest otherwise is, well, a big fat lie. In fact, their leader is an inveterate liar. They not only lie, they cheat. Take, for example, Trump's call to the Georgia elections chief, a fellow Republican. How did we get here? Ronald Reagan. That's right, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan killed a little-known regulation called the Fairness Doctrine. That rule, enforced by the Federal Communications Commission, noted that television and radio make lots of money on, but without paying for, the use of those airwaves. So they said that, as a condition of that profiteering, TV and radio had to give away free airtime when the news presented a one-sided opinion. Well, those companies weren't stupid, so they didn't allow propaganda and editorial opinion on the air. The end of the Fairness Doctrine gave birth to Rush Limbaugh and his right-wing ilk, and it was off to the races. That gave way to Fox News, quote-unquote, and that absolute loony tune, Tucker Carlson, who must lace his Wheaties with LSD. Collectively, they boldly but unapologetically lied, fanned the fires of hate, and fueled an acceleration of mean-spirited, bitterly partisan opinions and, yes, lies. I want to be clear. I have many friends who are Republicans. They are good people. They supported me when I was at Community Action, and some, frankly, care more about the issues I care about than some Democrats do. But something goes wrong when they get together as members of the so-called Grand Old Party. We can shake our heads and wonder at how far to the right today's Republican Party has gone. Some days I can picture that twisted cross when I, when I hear them talk. I am always astonished by how they find new approaches to convincing people to vote against their own best interests by just lying to them. But a whole new level of fury should be lit by the most recent disgrace when the Republican National Committee called the riot by people claiming to be patriots on January 6th, quote-unquote, legitimate political discourse. That only two of their ranks have the guts to not get on the party freight train with no brakes is mind-boggling. The collective insanity of these people scares the hell out of me. It is legitimate political discourse that the mob murdered fellow Americans simply because they had jobs keeping the capital intact. It is legitimate political discourse that one of their numbers tried to gouge out the eyes of one of the Capitol Police. It is legitimate political discourse to smear human feces on the walls of the very symbol of democracy in our world. It is legitimate political discourse to run amok in the halls of that building, chanting that they want to lynch the vice president, to steal the laptop of the Speaker of the House while her staff cowered under their desks. Maybe in the wild and wacky world of Rush Limbaugh and the many other liars and hate merchants of post-Fairness Doctrine America, but this was the Republican National Committee. This is pure insanity, and it's an insanity that should scare the hell out of every single one of us. I grew up believing in America. I grew up learning, seeing, experiencing its flaws. 
I spent my life believing in an America where every one of us felt like we had a voice and in collectivizing that voice, a role. And with that role, we could make our country better. If you believe their lies, you are guilty of spoiling this country. If you accept their position, you are a heretic. If you embrace this madness, you are to blame. We like to think we are a great nation. We are not. Great nations don't turn their backs on their most vulnerable citizens. Great nations don't treat women like they aren't smart enough to make their own health care decisions. Great nations don't tolerate oppression. Great nations don't ignore impending catastrophes like global warming. Great nations don't elect liars and autocrats. The Republican Party's so-called base is evangelical Christians, white people with guns and people who hate their government but call themselves, quote, patriots. They don't want to pay for good schools, clean air and water, safe roads and bridges, health care, or scientific research. They don't want regulations that limit where they can smoke, protect ourselves from a pandemic, or make sure school kids get a chance to eat breakfast and lunch. The party's strategists know that that base is declining. They know that their future is in peril, and they are desperately trying to find a way to reverse those fortunes, even if it means genuflecting in front of an orange-tinged, divisive criminal and inveterate liar. We can continue that down this dark path, or we can move forward, working together on a brighter day when we can all call ourselves Americans with some degree of pride and a healthy dose of hope. It's the only way to make America great again. That's the Jennings Report on WDIY. I hope you'll be back next month. Thanks for listening.